written word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you today that you're directing us, you're guiding us, and you're showing us the things we need to know and the direction we need to go. And Father, we thank you today as we look into your word. We thank you for revelation of your word, illustration of your word, and impartations of the Spirit of God that enable us to walk out what we have heard, and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Lord is with us. God is with us. You made it out today. Well, our keynote verse for this uh, particular meeting is, uh, has been 1 Timothy chapter 4. So let's turn back there and we'll get started. I'm not going to cover all the ground that I've covered before. I assume everybody just got their homework assignment accomplished, or you will. I got faith in you. I believe in you. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Said, how in the world did we get to talking about this particular subject? It's because it remembered the Lord woke me up. I went to bed December the 30th. And I was awakened at 1238 a.m. on uh, December the 31st. Early, that's the wee hours of the morning. And I heard four knocks twice. And then I said, Lord, is that you? And then the Lord spoke and told me some things that I've already shared. So I won't go into all that. But at the same time, he said to me during that period of time in that season, he said that 2024 will be a year of great deception in the body of Christ, in the church world. Great deception. In the church, not outside. The world's already deceived. He said it would be a year of great deception in the church world. He said it's imperative and necessary that you hold a seminar this year. He said you've been talking about it now four or five years on uh, demons and stuff and how they operate. And so we just kind of started this meeting off about uh, operations of the devil, you know, how they work, kind of. Not just like we're going to do in the seminar, but just started covering these things because the Lord told me to. And so we're following him. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. Uh, one uh, fact we need to establish that there are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils today. Because the modern day church, most of them, a lot of them, don't even believe there is a devil. Don't even believe he's capable of seducing them. And they kind of laugh about the devil. They think he's an imaginary figure. And I'm not here to exalt him because we have authority over him. But you can't take Satan lightly. You can't. The Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. That's what the Bible says. And because uh, he will deceive you and trick you unless you do what the Bible says and walk in light of the Bible. So we thank God that he's showing us what to do. All right, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 also, because that's been another one of our keynote uh, text. In verse number 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 13, says, For such, this is the Apostle Paul speaking through the Holy Ghost, he said, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So notice he said there, there's two different groups here. 
they're false apostles, deceitful workers, and they transform themselves or they give the appearance of being an apostle for Christ. And in verse 14, Paul said, don't marvel at this, I'm just paraphrasing, for Satan himself is what? Transformed into an angel of light, which means he comes in a deceptive manner. He never shows his true side and who he really is to you. Because if he did, you would not have anything to do with him. So that's why he transforms himself to an angel of light. He uses deception. Verse 15 says, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So we established already during this meeting that uh, just like Jesus Christ has apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, those called to the ministry of helps also, the devil has uh, his own ministers. The devil has preachers that preach false doctrine and uh, uh, deceiving spirits operate through him. And of course, people that are deceived don't realize it. You know what I mean? For they are deceived. But can Satan deceive people? Well, we know this, and can Satan work in the spiritual room and deceive? Yes. We know this, that, that Satan, Lucifer, deceived many angels in heaven that were with God, right? That were with God. I mean, not just a word, they were there with God. And the devil was so deceptive in his works and so seducing in the way he worked he tricked them all. That's what, it was a trick. It was a lie. Yeah. He lied to them and they believed his lie. Didn't he? Yeah. And they followed him. Yeah. And then God threw them all out of heaven. Remember that? Yeah. He did that. Yeah. Alright, well you, I got you into heaven and I'm going to bring you back to earth. You remember in the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Lucifer, the devil, Satan came and did what? He deceived Eve. He deceived Eve first. First, what is the number one way the devil deceives people? Through someone else that's already deceived by him. So Eve got deceived by the devil, according to the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, by the devil, Lucifer. And then she went to Adam and said, Adam, look here what I found. Oh, this is great. It's not like, it's not going to be this way. And so he believed what she said and he was seduced and deceived too. So he was just as much fault as she was. Isn't that right? So both of them were deceived right here on earth. And listen, let me point out something. They walked with God, it seemed to be, according to the Bible, daily. They talked with Him daily. Didn't they? It's in the Bible. But people don't think about this. This is the year in 2024 is a year of great deception in the, in the church. That the enemy's going to do his best to deceive people. All right, now, last night, we, you know, we made some statements that I really didn't get time to take time to clarify real good. We talked about how a seducing spirit operates, and we know the number one way that he actually seduces a person is through someone else that's already seduced by it. And then number two, if he can't get to, to you that way, he'll try to just work on you. And he'll work on you, not just for a day or not just for a week, he'll work on you for years. For years, he'll work on you. To get you to believe him. Yes. And you just got to keep standing. Right. Keep believing. Yeah. Keep resisting. Yeah. The Bible says submit yourself. Therefore to God resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Yeah. But he'll get you weakened if you don't watch it. So you right. don't resist him no more. And he'll don't have to flee from you no more. Yeah. Right. 
So he can't take you over or me over or any human being over against their will. So in order for a seducing spirit to seduce someone and get them to preach doctrines of devils, we'll just talk about preachers, but Christians too. Christians be the same way, everybody. I act like pastors or preachers are not Christians. <laughs> but all of the Christian world. But how does the devil do that? First, the devil, because he cannot make anybody do anything against their will, he first has to have a willing subject. So what he does is he works on a person's will over a period of time. I'm going to tell you how that works today. That's why we brought in Pastor Jerry Burley. (laughs) All the way from Wichita. They're looking for witches in Wichita. (laughs) But you got to have a willing subject. Because the enemy cannot take advantage of anybody that does not allow him to. No demon can take advantage of you if you don't allow him to. So I'm not giving authority to the devil. I'm giving authority to you. You have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he's got to try to get you willing in order to take advantage of you. Seducing spirit, the seducing spirit, which actually eventually winds up in the doctrines of devils, the seducing spirit must take advantage of a willing person. Demons cannot make anyone do anything against their will. The demon has to deceive a person into being willing to be deceived. Can you be willing to be deceived? Well, you can be willing to reserve Christ. Isn't that right? Now, this is the shocking statement. Many times, the getting the person willing to be deceived, many times this is easier to do than you would think. The demon works through a person's upbringing, their environment, their emotions, their soul and mind to gain access to them. And the way this works in Satan's kingdom is familiar spirits assist in this. Familiar spirits are evil spirits that are signed by Satan to look at everybody on the planet, especially in the church world, and see what it would take to get you to agree to let him do something in your life. And these familiar familiar spirits, there's other spirits at work too. There's there's warring demons in, in in the realm of the spirit. That work for the devil. But these seducing spirits, they, they, what they do is these demons, the familiar spirits, work on a people's will to get them willing. So I'm going to tell you some true life stories about people that have actually became willing to be deceived. To the point that they've actually been used to deceive probably 70 to 80 percent of the Christian world today. I, I, and I, I say that 70 to 80 percent, and I could be wrong on that. So, you know, I'm not what Brother Hagin said. I'm not dogmatic about the 70 to 80 percent. I'm just guesstimating. In fact, I'm not going to be pupmatic about it either, like he would say. But I, I just believe from what I see in the body of Christ, that 70 to 80 percent of people have been deceived by this one individual. At one time, in a place called Huntsville, Alabama, 
there was a man, a minister. And this minister uh, had a pretty large church, and I'm not calling any names at all. Don't make me do it. But this man had a pretty large church, and he couldn't get things to work just like the Bible way. And uh, he was well-known, well-respected, well-looked up to. But things didn't seem to work right in the Bible. Now, this is in Huntsville, Alabama, you understand. And he couldn't get things to work right, just like they're supposed to. And other people that he, what you call, ministered to, seemed like that they couldn't get the Bible to work right either. So he began to seek for an answer, but instead of going on his knees... He went out into society. And he began to look at other means and ways of helping people because he had a heart to help people. He really did. His motives were pure in his sight. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't doing anything deceptive. His goal and motive was to help people get free in their mind, in their soul, in their body, in their life. That's a noble idea, but the devil can twist that and use that in the wrong way. Where he made the mistake at is when he started going outside the Bible to try to find ways and means to help people besides of what the Bible says. So he got into something called transcendental meditation. Now this is a well-known, fancy preacher that had a big church, big pastor, big church. Big church, Brother Jordan. And he had influence over a lot of people. And uh, he's seeking for ways to help people. And again, that's a noble idea. So then he went into the educational world. And he went back to school, and there's nothing wrong with education, nothing wrong with school, as long as they're teaching you what you're supposed to learn. And not telling you that you're a squirrel and a tadpole and all that stuff. I mean, mean, you just get out of there if you're doing all that stuff. Because you're not no squirrel, you're not no tadpole, you know, or any of that stuff. You ain't but two genders, male and female, all that, you know, so... But anyway, he went out into the educational world, even in the Indian, uh, the country of India, in the Chinese world. He went into all those worlds, seeking for ways and means because they do have ways of helping people. And they do have ways of mending people. But it's not God's way. And that's how the devil got an inroad into his life. So he went out into the educational world, and then he began to get degrees. And I'm not against degrees. I'm not against education. But uh, this individual got a doctorate in theology. I'm not against that. But he also had a doctorate in oriental medicine and human behavior. So you see, now he's studying oriental medicine. Right? And what? Human behavior so he's trying to find out what makes us tick and how to help our ticking and set our clock with human behavior and oriental medicine he had degrees in this 
And he began to use them. And he began to be successful with these things. He got people in. And I mean, some, some ministers realized that, hey, you're going the wrong way. He also became certified as a substance abuse counselor, a detox specialist, and a handwriting analyst. As well as transcendental medication, meditation. And he began to teach people with the Bible a mixture of oriental medicine, <clears throat> transcendental meditation, and throwing some scripture in there too, and this will solve your problems. What's wrong with that? <clears throat> the main thing that's wrong is it does not agree with the Bible. Jesus Christ is your ultimate solution. So what happened is a seducing spirit took this man's will to help others and love others. His motive was pure. He so desperately wanted to see people free that he was willing to do anything. And that is wrong. If it doesn't agree with the Bible, you don't want nothing to do with it. But he was willing to do anything, use any means, use any kind of thing. Oriental medicine, stuff from China, stuff from the mountains of the Himalayas, stuff, uh, you know, stuff for India, maybe some stuff from Russia. I don't you know tell it. But all over the world, he used all kinds of methods and means to the point that he came totally seduced and began to speak and preach doctrines of devils. But if you listen to him, it don't sound like that. Because he don't have fangs. He don't have pitchforks. He don't have a long tail. He's not foaming at the mouth. And you don't have werewolf face. He is transformed into an angel of light. And the spirit is totally controlling him. Now, this is not the end of the story. But there was another young boy that come up in the country of Singapore. All right, I'm going to apply you feel sideways here now. They come up in the country and nation of Singapore. When he grew up, he turned towards God, and he had a heart for God. He had a desire for God. He wanted God more than anything else in life. But he never felt like he qualified. His emotions were always putting him down. He always felt like he didn't qualify. So he went around and secretly, while even he would be playing games as a teenager with other boys, he would actually run to the side and he would start, God, forgive me of all my sins. So he constantly felt like a sinner. He constantly felt oppressed and depressed. I mean, to the point that he thought he was going to lose his mind. There were times even that this young boy in Singapore actually even thought about taking his life. Because he wanted God, but it seemed like he couldn't find God. Where was God at? How can I get help? He would read his Bible. He would pray for hours and read his Bible. But still, he never felt like he qualified. So what's happening a demon's already working on him. What's it working on? It's working in the mental realm. It's working in the emotional realm. Isn't that right? It's working in the soul of this young boy that wants God more than anything else in life. He's got to get this boy to be willing 
to be willing yeah. to, for him to be seduced. So, this young boy grew up to be a, a young man. And through a series of events, he became a pastor there in Singapore. And his church began to grow. Grow, get large and large. But he always had this nagging feeling that he didn't qualify. I don't even know if I'm really saved or not. And this is a pastor. This pastor in a very large church. I'm telling you how the devil works. So one day, a fellow that I know and a fellow that he knows, and pastors may know, but I'm not calling any names, talked to this pastor in Singapore because they invited him to his church. And the pastor in Singapore, Singapore confided in this guy because he was a Rama guy. He had actually traveled, come out of Rama and everything else. And, uh, and so this guy told him, he said, I know what can help you because this guy was deceived and he's still deceived today and he's posting things on Facebook almost every single day and y'all eat it up. I said, y'all do, y'all Christians do. And don't even realize it's a doggone doctrine of a right. devil right. working through this man. But this man, this man, done something. He connected the guy in Singapore with the guy in Huntsville, Alabama. And he said, this solves your problems. Do you know where Greasy Grace come from? It come from Huntsville, Alabama. That's where it come from. It did not originate in Singapore. I want you to know that. It didn't re it re originate. When the pastor in Singapore that ha had all this oppression and oppression and depression, never thinking about he qualified, then this guy, who was a Rhema guy, a wonderful guy, I've known him. In fact, at one time, we was going to travel the world together, but the Lord told me, don't do it. I mean, I had a great opportunity, but the Lord said, don't do it. One time, I could have been on TV worldwide, and the Lord said, don't do it. You better listen to the Lord. Don't do it. Amen. I mean, worldwide, instantly. Yeah. And the Lord said, don't do it. I get calls periodically from people that have these talk shows. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yep. And I, I notice some of my friends, you know, go on these things. Yep. And, and I was going to go too. I thought, well, boy, I get a lot of exposure, you know, and people see what it is. And the Lord said, no, you're not going. I said, you watch me. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> he said, no, you're not going. I said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. And I said, well, why not then? He said, because they don't want me. He said, they want to sensationalize your ministry, make money off of you. That's all it's about. It's a money-making deal. And I come to find out later, this individual is making $280,000 a day in sales. From y'all. $280,000 a day in sales. I know somebody personally that left that ministry because they seen everything that was going on. So anyway, you were talking about where all this grace come from. 
and all that, and how that grace got all out of whack, you know, in, in the church world, then uh, it came from Huntsville, Alabama. It did not originate in Singapore. And it came from this man that I was telling you about. So when the pastor in Singapore that had this large church got in touch with this gentleman in Huntsville, Alabama, he fell for, as we say in the country, hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because the devil had been working on him. You ain't good enough. You don't qualify. But this guy in Huntsville promised him a freedom that he had never had before. And he was willing to do anything to get it. And that's where you miss it. The enemy works on your feelings. He works on your emotions. You know, and you don't want to go through life. And I understand the motive behind it. He just, whatever it took. So he didn't examine carefully that this guy was into transcendental medication, oriental medicine, and behavioral traits of human beings, and all that kind of stuff. He didn't care. So, all of a sudden, he got all his materials, sent and got every one of them and brought them over to Singapore. And then he studied them for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours and upon hours and then hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months. And then the next thing you know, that devil that was in Huntsville got a bunch of devils and sent them over there to Singapore. And they totally took over that individual. And that individual was seduced to the point that he began to preach doctrines of devils. And his church grew so fast. Now, I don't know. But I think somebody said he had almost one of the largest churches in the world. Sir? It is. He said it is. So he knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, had almost one of the largest churches in the world. You know, I know Dr. Cho, you know, he had a large one, but a large church. And then <clears throat> I, I knew very little about all this stuff. You know, I don't go seeking boogers and devils and all that stuff. Now, I'll tell you this, one of my friends, Bruce Brown, he was born in Booger Bottom. You know what I mean? <laughs> Booger Bottom, Georgia. So I might go looking for Bruce that was born in Booger Bottom. I mean, there's really a place called Booger Bottom. I don't know if you know it or not. In Booger Bottom, Georgia. But he, he was born there, so I might go looking for Bruce, but I ain't going to hunt no boogers or devils. But one day I got a phone call from a pastor that was hooked up with us in our ministry. And he said... Uh, Brother Randy, he said, I've got a mess in my church. I said, what is it? What, 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 what's going on? He said, you ever heard of a fella named so-and-so, and he named the fella in Singapore? <clears throat> I said, yeah, I heard of him, but I said, I don't, I don't know a lot about him. He said, do you know that he just released a book, and it sent it over here, it's over here in the United States of America? And he says that 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 was not written to the church. Yes, it was him. But it came from Huntsville, Alabama. I'm telling you how the devil works. But see, he had to get a willing individual. He had to get him willing to be willing. So what he does, he tormented and tormented and tormented and tormented and tormented him. And he didn't never figure out how to overcome the devil by taking authority over him in Jesus' name. Instead of standing against the devil, he agreed with the devil. And didn't realize it. Did not realize it whatsoever. So this pastor said, I've got a mess. I said, what? He said, this book's been released. 
He said, can I just read you some of the uh, uh, paragraphs? I said, sure. He said, I don't want to waste your time or take a bit. I said, fine, i got plenty of time, go ahead. So he began to read me things. It directly contradicted the Word of God. I mean, directly contradicted it. And then he said, but now let me read you something else. And he went back and read something else. It was the most wonderful thing you'd ever heard in your life. But right in the middle of it, right in the middle of the beefsteak, there was poison in there, the dog ate and he killed him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the way the devil does. He transforms himself into what? An angel of light. Dad Hagen said, every false doctrine has an element of truth in it because if it did not, you would not receive it. And so he said, he said, I got my people, some of my people are reading this book and passing it around in church. He said, they are accusing me of preaching false doctrine. Come on. Yeah, it's going against what that book said. That book said that you don't have to repent of your sins anymore because you're already forgiven of all your sins and you don't need to repent as a Christian. And so I began to have to investigate it. It was forced on me. So what I'd done is I was on the road, so I called Chris that works in my office. I said, Chris, you ever heard of so-and-so? He said, I believe, I believe I have. I said, see if this individual's got a website here in the United States of America. He went and he looked, and at this time he didn't have a whole lot of stuff. Now he's got lots of stuff. I, I said, what has he got? He told me, you know, he's got this, this, and I said, order everything he's got. I said, if you can get him overnight, get him overnight. Because the Bible says only a fool will answer a matter before he hears it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to investigate because I'm going to help the preacher friends that's calling me because it wasn't just him. There was others. It was having trouble. It was splitting their churches because of this devil false doctrine that was coming from Singapore by, by book. In fact, I'll tell you right during this same time, I was having lunch with one of the associate pastors at Ramah. And I said to him, and he was about to go to a pastoral meeting with Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette. I said, uh, I said, sir, I said, do you know you got a devil in your bookstore? He said, I ain't got no bookstore. I said, well, Ramah's bookstore. Mm-hmm. No, what are you talking about? And I told him, I said, that book in there directly contradicts what Ramah teaches. And I said, they're selling it because it's so popular. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. That's the way a lot of people are deceived, is following the crowd. Adam followed the crowd. And I said, that book's in that bookstore. And then I had that book in my iPad, you know, as an e-book. And I showed him exactly what, what was saying, just several passages. He said, oh my God. He said, I know Miss Lynette don't know that's in there. He said, I'm going right now. And he said, I'm going to tell them, because we got a, a pastoral meeting over there. They met on that day. He said, I'm going to tell them. So he went, they had that meeting. He, when it come his turn to say something, he told him, told Miss Lynette, you know, what had happened, what, had, what I'd shared and all that stuff. And then she called over to the bookstore because she didn't know the book was there, you know, because they just order. And I'm not belittling anybody that ordered the book because you don't know. It's just a popular book, you know, Christian book. And you got thousands of books in these bookstores, you know. So we're not belittling anybody. 
So she called over there and talked to a friend of mine that was run that thing. In fact, I think she's been there now for 30, at least 35 years. I know her husband's been there for 37 years working at the ministry. And she said, she said, yes, we got those books. She said, how many we got? She said, I don't know, maybe two boxes, you know. I don't know how many that would be, maybe 30 or 40. She said, get them all and bring them over here. So they got the books and brought them over there and, <laughs> and seen that, that what, what was said was true. There was false doctrine in that book. So this individual, the devil had worked on this individual for years, years, tormenting him, tormenting him in Singapore, tormenting the guy in, in Huntsville. Because, you know, all, it was a little different how each one of them was tormented. He was tormented in Huntsville because he wanted to help people and seemed to be helpless. So he went outside the Bible to try to help somebody. And it seems noble. And I'm not saying that there's things that may not could help you or not. I'll give you a shot if you want me to. <laughs> I'll shoot you with something. You just give me a needle. I, I know how to do it, you know. I'll shoot you up, you know. So, but when you get into that false doctrine, that's when it gets dangerous. So, this, this particular individual now has become popular worldwide and he introduced the doctrine of false grace to the church world and 70 to 80 percent I'm guesstimating of the church world has received it even among rhema circles yes there's churches that I used to preach in that will no longer have me in they won't they won't they won't allow me to come and it's not because I'm going to do anything purposely to harm or hurt anybody. And, and some of the churches I would go in, I wouldn't even share anything like this. Because they're not on a level to hear it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, they believe that I now, today, am preaching false doctrine. And they went to the same Bible school that I did. Come up and sit on the knee, so to speak, that I did of Kenneth Hagin. And now they accuse me of preaching false doctrine when I'm preaching almost word for word of what Kenneth Hagin preached. So what they're doing is they're calling him a false prophet. Because everything that I preach and teach, I first of all see what the Bible says, and then second of all, I see what Dad Hagin said about it. I always do that because that's what the Lord told me to do. He told me to follow after him. And now another thing is I wouldn't follow in a man. I was following a heavenly vision that came through a man. That's what I was doing. And so that's why many people scurried away when he passed away because they were following the man and not the vision. I was following the heavenly vision. And that vision is still going to be completed. It's not complete yet. And it still will be completed. And thank God for it. So... This became a, a doctrine of devil's epidemic, and it still is today in churches in the United States of America and most churches of the world. And like I said, I was guesstimating 70 to 80 percent of the church world, but there's quite a few, you know what I mean, that has received this. But he went as far as, as to say, among other things, but 1 John chapter 1 was not written to the church. But... In John, he starts off his writings with, my little children. Not you lost ones in the world. 
And then one day I heard this individual on TV and he was uh, preaching his, this grace message, false grace, unbiblical grace. There is true Bible grace and we're all experienced that. But there's unbiblical grace. And I heard him preaching this message, you know, about, to me, it's unbiblical grace. It's a doctrine of a devil. But in the process of him preaching that message, he made this statement. He said, I just wish that I could have talked to Dr. Kenneth Hagin about this. I believe that he could have saw this eye to eye. He could have see it this way and that he would have went right along with it and gave credibility to it. When he said that, I jumped up and I raised my hand and said, hey, 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 you don't have to go raise Kenneth Hagin from the dead. You don't have to bring him down from heaven. Just ask me. Ask me. I said on his knee, I know what he said. He said, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 was written to the church, to the saint. That's what he said. And 1 John chapter 1 was written to the church, not to the world. Woo! And another thing he always pointed out, that it was the way he pointed out, it was written to the church. He said that nowhere, and it's true, nowhere in the New Testament is the sinner, the lost person, told to confess their sins to be saved. Nowhere. To be saved. That is, to be saved. It says in Romans chapter 10, confess Jesus Christ as your Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead and you will be saved. But it doesn't say you've got to confess all your sins to be saved because you old scoundrel, you, you got so many sins. <laughs> you couldn't remember all of them. And I couldn't remember them all. At all. But they're trying to say that that was in there for sinners, that sinners had to confess their sins. No, it's not. It's there for Christians. If Christians make a mistake, if Christians get into sin, then Christians should confess their sin. He said, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. So unbiblical grace says you don't have to confess your sins because you're already forgiven. But that's not true. And let's examine that. If you're already forgiven of all sin, why do you need to get born again? Everybody's going to heaven anyway. Right? Everybody's going to heaven. Yeah. But of course we know that's not true. Everybody's not going to heaven. Isn't that right? You're thinking deeply there. I know you're thinking about all this. So the doctrine of unbiblical grace that come to the world from Singapore started in Huntsville, Alabama. And it started through oriental medicine, transcendental meditation, and all kind of intellectual, educational type materials. In other words, it was a mixture of the gospel and a mixture of the world. And that's where it becomes wrong. And that's how the devil gets in. You can't mix things up. But again, what I want to point out to you, that both individuals <coughs> had to become a willing vessel in order for the devil to dece dece deceive them. 
How did he deceive the guy in Huntsville? Because he had a heart to reach people and he was willing to do anything that it would take to see people get set free because many people that he was ministering to were not getting the benefit of what the Bible said. So he seen that there was a, maybe another way. So he started searching throughout the world through all kinds of other methods and ideas that do, do work. They work to a degree. But the devil gets involved in all of that. There should be no mixture of the Word of God and all this other stuff. None. So the guy in Huntsville, Alabama, what happened to him, he was pushed to the extreme to receiving a seducing spirits and eventually doctrines of devils just because his great, great desire to help people. And that's a noble thing. But not to the point that you're willing to do anything to help people. You got to do God's thing. But the devil pushed him that far. And the devil offered him something. And then, of course, the individual in Singapore, remember? The way he got involved in him, remember how that happened? Because he was tormented growing up as a young boy, as a teenager. He was constantly tormented with these thoughts. You know what that tormenting thing was? It was a harassing spirit demon from the devil. That's what it was. It was harassing him, harassing him, harassing him, harassing him, and harassing him. And then it come down to the point that he was willing to do anything. Didn't matter what it was to get this harassment off of him. Because he had not discovered how to take the name of Jesus and command this thing to stop in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so that's why he so hastily embraced the message from Huntsville, Alabama before he examined it in the light of the word. And then that's how he produced a book. I guess that thing was about an inch thick, oh, maybe over an inch thick, that went out to the world and deceived many, many people, split lots of churches, tore churches apart, and then churches got into something called casual Christianity. And then cultural trends of society became the gospel of many churches. Cultural trends of society became the gospel of many churches. And they began to preach from the intellectual realm, the emotional realm, the mental realm, and that's what happened. And the Spirit of God wasn't there. And I'm going to say it again. Not everybody's going to heaven. I said, not everybody is going to heaven. <clears throat> not everybody's going. Say, so I'm going to go. Are you going? He's going. I know he's going. Me and him didn't figure it out. <laughs> We're going. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that right? And again, when I'm saying these things, I want you to understand, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm exposing the devil. That's what I'm doing. I'm not against any human being, but I am against false doctrine. And I am against seducing spirits. And I'm not going to allow them to have an inroad into my life or my ministry whatsoever. If I have to be standing by myself, I'm going to be standing by myself. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to stand on the word. That's what I'm going to do. So now you, you understand and know how that uh, 
familiar spirits have to take advantage of a willing person. They have to get a person to be willing. How did the person there in Huntsville become willing? Because his overwhelming desire to help people, and he had an inability to do so. He just seemed like he couldn't help them. And then the individual in Singapore, the way the devil got him willing is because he tormented him and tormented him and harassed him and harassed him and harassed him. Harassed his spirit, harassed him. Harassed him most of his life up to that time that he embraced this other. And then he realized, hey, I don't have to do that way no more. I don't have to believe that way no more. And all the time it was a devil. Every bit of it was a devil, you know. All right, let me tell you about somebody else. Are you ready? Are you sure? (laughs) See, remember the, and and this is what we're talking about. In order for a devil to seduce somebody and get them into doctrines of devils, that individual first must be a willing individual. So the devil works on their will to get them willing because he can't take advantage of them if he don't, right? right? So he has to get them willing. Now, this is something that the Lord Jesus Christ taught me. Years ago, I didn't get it out of any book or anything else. I had been fasting and praying. I was seeking God. I was in the mountains, I believe, of North Carolina. And I was in the basement of this cottage, just walking and praying by myself. I'd been fasting and praying. And he said, uh, one of the things that Satan will take advantage of in the human race is this. Of course, I'm all listening. He said, every human being has inherent in them that they long to belong and desire to feel wanted and needed. They long to belong, to be somebody. And they want to feel wanted and needed. I didn't know that. I had no idea. In the inherit in every human being is they have a desire to long to belong, to be somebody, be credible, and they desire to be wanted and needed. And there's nothing wrong with that unless it's taken to the extreme. Right. So let me tell you about this individual. I was on the west coast of the United States of America, which would be California. And I uh, went real far from the Pacific Ocean. And this has been years ago. And I was there. My wife was with me this earlier on. She don't travel with me like she used to. You know, traveling is not party for us. <laughs> it's not party. Exactly. We've traveled for 40 years plus, you know. Right. So it's a little different. Yeah. And there's things that we have to do at home and things have to keep going. And she can't go with me all the time. Yeah. She goes with me as she can. Because yeah. there's other things we have to take care of back there. But I was in this church, and it was a pretty large church. Pastor was a, a wonderful pastor. In fact, he was a Rama pastor. And, uh, you know, because I'm in them circles, is why. It's not just all Rama pastors, don't get me wrong. The other two that I'm telling you about, they were not Rama ministers. So don't get the idea that all Rama ministers right. are bad because they're not, you know. But uh, I was in church, and, and uh, I was standing there, and he was leading praise and worship. But there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And he had his band there, and they were a good band, like y'all around here, you know. Has good band. Uh, our uh, musician here, he's a one-man band, ain't he? Oh, my God, he does everything. Yeah, does a good job. But, uh, and then the, the, the people that sing with him. 
But he was leading the worship. He didn't have to. He had plenty of people on staff that could do it. You know what I mean? And, and was anointed in praying to God. But he had a, an entourage of, of singers and all. But there was something about this particular pastor. I just kind of watched him, you know. You learn a lot by watching to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the watching part's okay. The keeping the mouth shut, that, that's different. <laughs> that's hard for y'all to do, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I watched this pastor. And as, as he began to lead the, the music, he had one of these melodious voices. I mean, he could, he could carry this note up here and bring that other way down yonder and hit everywhere in between. I mean, it was just like every note was perfect. Everything that come out of his mouth, and he would get into these highs and lows, and, and it would blend right in with the music and the, the uh, praise team that was with him. They had, they had worked on this stuff, and it was just putting him out on front. I mean, it was just like, a, can I use this word? A rock star. And then, as I watched him, and I'm thinking, well, why am I thinking this way? You ought to repent, Randy, and get your life right with God, you know? And then I watched him. He began to shake his head a little bit. And then he wiggled his body like Elvis. And uh, I'm not knocking Elvis. I know you ladies will whoop me over him. But anyway, (laughs) I'm not knocking Elvis, you know. (laughs) But Lawrence Welk wouldn't show him below the waist. You remember when he first... And the girls in the audience were screaming. Y'all remember? Ah! Now that'll date you if you remember all that. That'll date you. You know what I mean? So I'm not getting on Elvis. But anyway, I seen something for just a moment. And the Spirit of God said, unholy. I said, what? He said, unholy. I said, what do you mean Unholy. He said, those mechanics he's going through with his physical body now is unholy. Now, I'm not saying you can't shake and vibrate a little bit. (laughs) I've seen it all over these years. I've seen some vibrations no human can do by themselves. Something had to have a hold to them, I guarantee it. (laughs) Vibrate. I ain't talking about just dancing or shouting. I'm talking about a vibrating. You know what I mean? And so I'm not against I know the Holy Ghost can get on us and we can do all kinds of stuff. I've been right in the middle of it, you know? But uh, he said, unholy. And I said, Lord, what is it? And he was a wonderful guy. Large church. But I mean, he could hit those notes and every time he did, the audience would clap like they was giving him praise for doing it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I mean, just clap and shout. Because, yeah. ah, I mean, he'd bring him notes up here, down here, and in between. They'd hit him just in the right place, too. Yeah. Just like he was at a rock concert, yeah. you know. Yeah. And this is on, praise, on Sunday morning, praise and worship. Yeah. Come on. Right. And I said, Lord, what do you mean by this? He said, the enemy is deceiving him. He didn't say he was totally deceived. He said, the enemy is deceiving him. And I said, well, Lord... What do you mean? This, this guy's been pastoring. He, boy, he's, he's got a big church. What, what do you mean? He said he's fulfilling the desire to long to belong and desiring to feel wanted and needed. And he's feeling that through this performance that he's doing because he wasn't praising and worshiping God. He was putting on a performance. 
And there is a difference. Among a lot of churches throughout the world today, there's performance going on. And I'm not belittling nobody. I'm just telling you the truth. This way the devil does. He said he's fulfilling that need in himself. He longs to belong. Well, when he gets all these notes and they clap for him and desire to feel wanted and needed, I mean... And he said, the way the enemy gets in, he said, if people do not allow me to feel that desire in them, he said, the devil or the world would will one. He said, I'll fulfill that desire in every human being. And he said, if they don't let me do it, he said, the devil or the world will do it for them. So that's what he did. So you want to know what I've done, aren't you? Because I'm standing on the front row. So you want to judge me now? Ah, thank you. The first thing I'd done is I closed my eyes because I didn't want to watch no more. Number two, I determined to shut my mouth and not say a word to anybody. Not even my wife. Because what would have happened? I'd have created the biggest mess you'd ever seen. That's how a lot of messes get started because you can't shut your eyes and close your doggone mouth. (laughs) Just quit looking, and you'll quit talking. Quit looking at situations. Quit examining people. Quit finding fault with them, and you won't have to run them down like you've been doing. <laughs> I don't know how y'all got me over here. Jordan, you better help me out here. They're going to tar and feather me. <laughs> just close, I just closed my eyes because I couldn't look no more. I was getting queasy inside of my spirit. You know what I mean? Queasy. You know what I'm talking about? So I just realized I ain't going to say a word. I mean, the Lord didn't tell me to. Now, I have been in churches where the Lord told me to. I remember one time I was in uh, North Carolina in a big, big, big church. And the Lord said, prophesy this unto the servant that is sitting on the front row. And I said, well, there's a bunch of servants sitting on the front row. He said to the pastor of the church, I said, I ain't going to do it. I ain't, I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna do that. He said he's living in adultery. He said, I'm trying to save his life. Won't you help me? He said, I've warned him and I've warned him and I warned him and he won't pay attention. And I said, Lord. I said, could you give it to me another way? (laughs) I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Somebody, I want to stand in that office. No, you don't. You just think you do. So he gave me a way to say it that, you know, that only he would know. I mean, down to the detail. God knew it all. And the next thing I know, when I got through prophesying it, in this big church, it was quiet, so quiet you could hear heard a pin drop. Next thing I know, he was sitting beside his wife, who could have been a model. I mean, a beautiful lady. He come off of the seat that he was in and tried to come up where I was at, and he fell down on the floor between the seats and the platform where I was at and began to sob and weep and cry. What did you do, Brother Randy? I went to him. And I got down beside him. And I started sobbing. I started weeping. 
I started crying. And then his wife came. Then his children came. And they began to sob with their daddy. Sob with their, his wife. And we're all there together. And then that man got up. And I wouldn't have done this. I tried to advise against it. And he got up. And admitted it to his church. And all his church started crying. I started telling him, we forgive you. He said, I miss God. I got too busy. I got too busy. He said, I knew better. I got too busy. He said, this is not in me. He said, this is the devil. I listened to the devil. And do you know, God restored that man. He did not lose his church. Other people helped him, you know, and everything. And I mean, I stayed friends for him. I just lost contact with him just recently because he went to somewhere else. But I stayed friends with him for years. You know what I mean? God wasn't trying to hurt him. He was trying to help him. That's what he was trying to do. And of course, you don't want to expose anybody. You, you have to watch things when God shows you things. I'll tell you the truth about it. A lot of times I know a lot of things about a lot of people. And I never say a word. I don't. Because the Lord don't want me to. He wants me to pray about things sometimes. But a lot of times he don't want me to say anything. And because you can get in trouble and get other people in trouble. So this individual, we, we went back to California. Now, I got you out. I took you to North Carolina. But we got on that jet, Gulfstream 5. And then we're coming back to California. It don't take long. And we're landing back in California. And this pastor's leading praise and worship. Remember, you want to know what I'm doing. Because the Lord, I closed my eyes because I didn't want to see it no more. And then I just, uh, in my heart, I didn't sense I was supposed to do anything else, even talk to him or nothing. And so... I just got up and I preached with an anointing, you know, because God anointed me and I knew that that spirit that was on him wasn't going to get on me because yeah. you've got to be a willing vessel. Yes. Yeah. He had desired recognition most of his life. He wanted to be popular. He wanted to be Mr. It for most of his life. And the devil got him to be willing to yield to him by that particular thought, feeling, emotion, and idea. So, my wife and I left. I told my wife about it, you know, and we just discussed it. But over the years, later, I just kind of marked him, you know what I mean? Just watched him. Didn't say anything to anybody but my wife. Nobody. Yeah. This has been years ago. It's the only reason I'm saying it now. But then, later on, I ran into this fella in a meeting. I said, how you doing? I said, it's good to see you, you know, shake his hand, everything like that. Sure. I said, how's your wife? How's your children and all that? And he kind of hung his head. And he said, well, Brother Randy, he said, I lost my church. And he said, I, I'm divorced. And my children are separated from me. And he said, uh, I really don't know what to do. So what did I do? I started praying for him. You know what I mean? I didn't condemn him. I didn't get on him or nothing like that because he needed some help. And the Lord began to help him because the Lord will help you if you'll cry out for him. It don't matter how far down you've been. 
Yeah. It don't no matter how far you've missed it. Right. It don't matter even how many people you kill. Now don't go be killing nobody. Amen. <laughs> it don't matter. God will reach out to you. I knew people on death row when I was in prison. I mean that were Holy Ghost filled tongue talking Christians and on their way to heaven. And had committed horrendous crimes. But God forgave them. Now society won't. As a general rule, man won't. But God will. You know? And so the Lord began to restore things in his life. And he actually got a job at a church. And it gave him a little more credibility. Because he's with a well-known minister, you know. And it began to restore things in his life. Which I'm so grateful, you know. But I said that to say this. It should have never happened. How did the devil get an inroad? Because of his desire to be long to belong, to be wanted and needed, to be recognized, to be Mr. It, to be the top dog, all that kind of stuff. You know, we talk about drive. What time is it? I'm trying to quit and y'all keep dragging me down these roads. You know how y'all do. (laughs) But people that have real great drives, achievers, you know, that you should be an achiever, don't get me wrong. And you should have a great drive. You've got to commit to things. I mean, you've got to go for it 100%. Whatever field you're in. You know, if it's in law enforcement, you go for it. If you're whooping folks, go for it. You know what I mean? I mean, whatever you're in. I remember in, in high school in football. I mean, buddy, you went for it. I mean, every, every day you had to give 100%. So I'm not against giving 100%. But sometimes the enemy can take that drive or motivation if it, and push it to an ungodly extreme. And people that have this drive, they've always got to be conquering another mountain. They've always got to be climbing Mount Everest. They've they've always got to, and then when they when they get all these things done, when they get all these things done, and I'm thinking of an individual right now. When they got there, life became meaningless to them. They left the ministry because they'd achieved all the things that you couldn't achieve. They done it. Pushing and shoving and doing and grabbing and slinging and knocking and beating. And we need to be motivated. But when they got there, they then climbed every mountain, so to speak. Maybe not every one, but a lot of them. Life became meaningless to them. Because their whole life was about being driven and not about Jesus. And that's what messes you up. Just keep your drive in a godly perspective and God will help you in it. Amen. Just whoop everybody. I'm telling you, whoop them all. <laughs> God will do it. So, we've been examining this morning, just talking about the fact. Remember, and you've been teaching me about this this morning. About the only way that the devil can take advantage of somebody is if that individual is willing. So what he does, he'll spend years, months, weeks, days, long time working on a person's will to get them to be willing to be deceived. Because he cannot do anything against your will to you or against me either. You've got to be willing to be willing to be deceived. But when you get willing to be deceived, you don't even know you are deceived. But aren't you glad you came this morning? I thought you were. 
I mean, they came from Wichita to get hit upside the head. It's amazing what they'll do. <laughs> Hallelujah. And remember this, I, I don't know it all, but I have learned a lot of things. And the Lord has showed me a lot of things, you know, over the years. And that's why in our seminar that's coming up in April and in, in May, we're going to share a lot of things that we've never said before. Because the Lord told me to. You know what I mean? Not because I want to. Remember this. I do not want to do it. I don't want another meeting. I don't want to stir up the devil and demons. Don't make me go to the Supreme Court. I have been there. In the spirit. And I called a big demon that was sitting up there. Down. I seen how that demon controlled the United States. I've seen what happened. But I've been there. But God can do supernatural things. Well, I, I have encouraged myself today. And I can tell you this. The devil cannot take you over against your will. And see, so you don't have to be concerned. You don't have to leave here in fear this morning or anything. It's just learning examples. And the reason that I give these true life stories is so we can learn from them. It's not to put anybody down. And I'm not against any human being. But I am against demons, seducing spirits, and false doctrines. I'm against that. And I'm going to stand against it. But I'm not against any human being. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the Spirit of God that has been with us. And I invoke and I speak a very special blessing over every individual under the sound of my voice. And I thank you for the anointing being released in their life. And Father, I give you the glory for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.